You're listening to the audio-only version of Soundwriting Pedagogies. Visit ccdigitalpress.org soundwriting for the full web text version of the book. All these other sort of social, political, economic uh, 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 perspectives started coming up. And um, the, the basic structure that we've kind of uh, solidified or, or agreed upon is that there's going to be five different perspectives uh-huh. on the soundscape of Vancouver that move through the space but then converge at a location. Okay. Uh, so this, I think, like uh, reflects the kind of philosophy that, that uh, I think is important here is, is that it, um, that the soundscapes are not, there's not a soundscape. That there exactly. is, there is uh, like a, uh, all these soundscapes that have different perspectives, different uh, ways of looking at it, and and I think this structure allows us to try to uh, represent that. That's kind of what we're trying to do. Is that there's these different ways of, of hearing right. Vancouver that that sometimes come together, sometimes move apart, yeah. and. some of these ideas of inclusion, plurality, uh, um, different ways of looking at it that uh, um, I, mean, I, I think it just needs a, a refreshment on, yes. on, uh, on how we arrive at this point.
Well, thank you, Milena, for inviting us for dinner. This is uh, so you. wonderful to have it's really nice. us all here oh. and uh, such lovely food. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Should we just start? Yes. Yeah. 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 Cheers, guys. Thanks for including me in this. Yeah. I am so delighted by the fact that you guys come have been going through that education. I did a summer walk in one of the education conferences, which was an earlier version of what we just went to. And they loved it, and then everyone, I mean, a few people invited me afterwards um, to, to give uh, additional sound walks in their classrooms, and, and with, specifically with the aim uh, to learn how to do it themselves, and also in classrooms of uh, uh, student teachers. Exactly. So there's definitely an appetite, they're just, um, they lack the training, so they just, there's one like last step that's stopping them. Also reminds me a little bit of how I used to feel a bit of discomfort with doing sound walks and I couldn't find out why. And I think it has to do with the fact that it's a, a very strange activity going on a sound walk and leading it. Um, because it's not really an event mm -hmm. and it's not really an exercise. You know, it's it's an experience, and I never realized what a, how complex it actually is to set it up and to you know the leader feels connected, mm -hmm. the followers feel connected, um, and I wonder whether it's the same for the teachers that they need to understand on some level the depth of it. Once we did it, and I and I really debated with myself whether to take the whole time of their class to do it or whether to shorten it, and my feeling was that. You don't shorten a sound walk because it's just there's a certain processes that have to unfold. That's and right. so we talked about that afterwards, how really the first 20 minutes uh, and even more were just kind of overcoming your internal murmur and your internal uh, thoughts about things you have to do in your day. And then once you kind of go over that and you're still in this experience, then you really settle into it and start paying attention. And, and that's when the discovery starts. And they couldn't wait to talk about it. And that's, to me, a really good mark. You have to have that time afterwards to talk yeah, about yeah. it. We really do. Yeah, yeah. 20 so, minutes, half an hour, isn't it? That's when, when that's, you feel the shift in the yeah, group, right? There's a yeah. shift, yeah. So the, so the exercise has to be at least 45 minutes and then, and then also a time afterwards. Definitely that. a time afterwards. Yeah. I'm thinking of this article by um, Ursula Franklin about the... The, the commons silence and the commons yeah, yeah. and how um, sound and listening opens the possibility for what she calls unprogrammed events exactly. because so much of real life is programmed exactly. and recorded and you get to play it but actually going out and trying to do something and, and opening up yourself to listening is is really about you don't know what's going to happen actually and it's scary but so necessary Maybe that's also where the discomfort comes in, right? Yeah. I think that's an interesting phenomenon. I wanted to ask you about uh, these 45 students are all first year students, basically. I think so. First or maybe yeah. second. Uh, so. so they're like 18 to 20 years old. Yes, they're young. So how do you begin to initiate them? Yeah. How do you introduce the, the idea to them? of a sound watch. So I was introduced as someone who's, you know, done this stuff for a while and, and who's a composer and all that. 
Um, and I basically just um, did a very short introduction, just saying, trying to describe a bit what the soundbook is, and that we'll have this opportunity to, to spend this time with, with doing things that we normally don't do, like listening intensely and not speaking. And that the sort of, the, the, the group, the social group uh, that is quiet moving through the environment is an extraordinary thing. And that with younger people, I often like to point out that we're doing something that we know, but our environment won't. And so we'll get funny reactions. Mm. And so as long as we know what we're doing, um, you know, we can, we can hold that together and, and uh, be a little bit like a gorilla action, right? And that usually appeals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you talk to them about their devices? So this time, for the yeah. first time, because as I, when I came up in the elevator, there was me and three other people, and they all were on, on some headphone, right? So I said that when I came in. I said, so I said, how many of you have devices with you? And there was like three that didn't. Wow. <laughs> so I said, um, I've never done this, but in this sound work, I'd like you to encourage you to use that device consciously. So I would like you to experiment with what happens when you, what happens to the soundscape around you and you're listening when you put your earbuds into your ear and I want you to listen to that. And then I want you to listen to what you're hearing in your music and what you're hearing outside while the music is on and how much do you hear. And I don't want you to do it longer than three minutes, about, and then do the same thing, just take them out consciously and listen to what happens to, to your listening, what happens acoustically, to the whole thing. Um, and I was really interested afterwards in the discussion. Um, not that many did it, actually. That was the interesting part. There were about four or five who really experimented with it and had all sorts of comments that were fascinating because one of them then decided to not put music on but just play with them as kind of an ear protection <laughs> you know like an earplug yeah and um, to me i guess it becomes more and more important that we do integrate those tools that we that are out there to, ah, consciously. to, to, to recognize your device as part of the soundscape exactly. too right? so in a sonic meditation you could you could say, I know you all have devices. I'd like you to observe when that becomes conscious in your mind and you want to use it and why. I feel like this is really at the heart of what we're teaching actually. If we think of listening as a metaphor, um, we're, 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 we're teaching them the skills of how to direct consciousness. And, and this is what I think we're really it, it really is about whatever it is whether it's putting your uh, listening to your music or um, I've been sending out students to record collect sounds on like auditory treasure hunts collect some sounds and bring them back and we'll listen to them together but record them on your phone it really is about designing moments of conscious attention <laughs> and the phone I mean there is an enthusiasm yeah. that we all feel with a new tool, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember how excited I felt with the microphone when I first recorded. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, what an 
ear opener, right? Yeah. And now I have an iPhone and I can't believe how excited I am about its photographic mm -hmm. things or its video thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can do a recording, like this will be a comparison that we can yeah. yes, see between right. a really expensive mm -hmm. stereo microphone and, and my yeah. um, utility uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. app here, voice memo. So this is now recording us, right? And whatever they've done here with this little microphone, <laughs> that tiny little thing somehow can pick up just about everything in this room. The dynamic range is not as rich and wide, yeah. but... Um, yeah. but I guess one of the things I'd like to be quite um, detailed about sometimes with people is to say you have we have all these devices and we have all this passion about making videos and photos and recordings and all that and yet it's still our ears that are doing the listening it's because of its difference right mm -hmm. it shows us another ear yeah shows us another way of listening and that's inspiring right it, it is actually a um a reciprocal, constantly iterating relationship, and it's okay as to a teacher undetermined outcomes. to exactly. have undetermined outcomes and exactly. to, to, to experience something. And I think that's such an actually valuable thing to model to your students to put it's yourself in a vulnerable position where you don't know the outcome. Well, and it's a little bit like the way people are in the technology world are being trained and then they have to learn on the job. So there's this much more experimental approach to, mm -hmm. to, to developing your skills now, nowadays. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is happening, has to happen in schools because of mm -hmm. that ever-changing technology. That mindful focus uh, is so important these days in order to navigate through distractions. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Sound walking and listening kind of offers that as well, that kind mm -hmm. of stopping and being in the moment. And I think that's why we are always getting young people yeah. to come to the sound walks. Uh, part of what this uh, sound writing does is um, open up this concept of transdisciplinarity, that, mm -hmm. that it's not just English. You need to work through these as an individual learning and whether you call it English or fine arts or uh, um, yeah, design exactly. or whatever you want to call it is mm -hmm. not nearly as important as the individual's ability to uh, create something that responds to their lived experience. Exactly. Basically goes against everything that's happened in academia, right? I mean, when you yeah. look at the proliferation of conferences these days, where everybody has to present in a certain way, papers, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, academia itself seems to want to keep, keep tradition Oh, absolutely. Going, right? It comes back to evaluation and assessment. Yeah. And even academics are evaluated on these very traditional forms. Exactly. The, the presentation, the paper. You know, how do you judge how these? Do you how do you mark exactly. these, right? And yeah. I, I think that that question is probably not as important as, as we all try to the make it. Question. I, I know that it's the one that keeps coming up, yeah. but like, I think your job as a teacher becomes making those judgments as to how far did this person come, how much did they learn, how much effort did they put in, right. and, and you still have to make that judgment. Yeah. The soundscape perspective yeah. have this I don't know, 45 year history that, that is really completely unique from that. Yeah, and, it is. and that the, the sound walks, the, the mm -hmm. sonic journals, the podcasts that we create, uh, 
come from a different tradition. Mm -hmm. And not that these can't all work together and should work together because mm -hmm. we can all learn from each other with this. And what we like is that uh, we're already in this practice of creating these sonic um, representations of, of lived experiences. And how can we infuse those with even more ideas coming from English and from mm -hmm. uh, other disciplines, science too. Because it's, it, com it com goes back to exploration. Exploration of lived world and of, of the uh, surrounding environment. Coming back to English and, and the writing, I mean writing is also a form of listening. Right? We are listening to an inner voice and a thought pattern and so if that is becoming conscious, um, your writing is also more intentional, perhaps, mm -hmm. because you're listening to more consciously to something that's going on inside you. So the students already come engaged on some level into the classes, don't they? Because the, the technology is already engaging them. The internet is engaging them. They're already very occupied. So suddenly the teacher at that point has to hook into that engagement, right? They're already on some level used to going into the internet, finding their knowledge, right? There's an entitlement Absolutely. there that they already have. Mm -hmm. And so then how that changes the relationship to education right there and then, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that, it's that lived um, exchange in, in the educational environment that is still the absolutely most important. To, to process whatever is happening That's out there in really society. That's really what it is about. It's not even about the technology. For me, and, and I think for in, in our conversations, has been to not exclude it, to actually draw in whatever it exactly. is that they're yeah. using. Dave had this concept of tuning that we put in the paper. The tuning, there was a yes, small part about the there. tuning metaphor, where as a teacher you kind of attune your methods. I, I think of it yeah. in vocal harmony, uh, yes. that, that what we love about vocal harmony and what we miss out when we auto-tune is that in a harmony, uh, it's not about hitting the note, it's about two people negotiating where the note is exactly. and how to stay there together, exactly. right? And if you think about that from in the metaphor of teaching, that, that it's not about them reaching your... Right pitch right. it's about you and them working together to to it's create this thing uh, very much so yeah. and and interesting tuning is always a negotiation the issue is what is the best possible relationship mm -hmm. between all the notes yeah right yeah. which which is uncomfortable uh, but it's more about cultivating an exploratory spirit and a listening ear and 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 a ability to problem solve and to learn new things exactly. and to kind of have your own internal system. Yeah. It's this French lovely sound. Isn't that incredible? It's not like it's chips, right? They're called kale chips, but. Mm. And to me. They're particularly delicious because they come from a garden. Wow, this is quite a nice place. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah. These, these are, are cool. These are Chinese medicine balls. Oh, yes, of course. The idea is to twirl them around without actually touching them. 
without, without them, them touching, touching it. Without them touching it. So I brought something that has internal sounds like that. Oh, great. What do they call that thing? I think that he called it stardust. Because you can't really, you can't really hear it unless you have the ear really close. Oh, it's beautiful though. Yeah. Okay, it's a little bit loud. I'm just blowing in it. I'm not even doing anything. It's oh, because of the water? water in it. It's got water in it. Uh, actually, Luke and Sonia brought these back when they were in New Zealand. It actually sounds like a frog. Doesn't it? Wow. And this one is here. Yeah. You, you try that one. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> this, is, this is hilarious. Right. 